Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies Podcast. Uh, we went away at the end of the regular season, and we said we'd come back as events warranted. So we waited until after the draft. Thought that was probably wise. And the Blackhawks made a bunch of moves. So um, I guess we'll start out with the draft, and then we'll move into the uh, many trades and moves the Blackhawks made. So um, the Blackhawks, the third pick, drafted center Kirby Dock from the Saskatoon Blades. I like those Western Hockey League team names. But I'll ask you, uh, Michael, uh, what's the scouting report on Kirby Dock? Well, uh, the first thing that's going to stand out uh, with Kirby Dock is his size. Uh, he's 6'4". Uh, I think he's about 200 pounds right now. Um, he's a guy that's um, grown uh, a couple of inches and added a bunch of weight over the last uh uh, two to three years. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, with those bigger guys, usually as they're still growing and stuff, it, it takes them a little bit longer generally to develop and, um, you know, really get coordinated. Um, whereas some of the smaller guys have been the same size for, you know, years at a time and, you know, get a little bit more used to their bodies. So, you know, with a guy like um, Doc, he's got the size to he's got the frame to, to, to even continue to add some, some weight and some strength. So, you know, he's a guy that in a couple of seasons you're looking at, you know, he, he could turn into a monster and that's the kind of upside that the, the, the Hawks are uh, betting on. Um, he does have a complete 200 foot game. I like the way that he back checks. Uh, he sees passing lanes. He's good at stripping pucks. I, I like the way that he plays the game. Now, there are some times where he gets caught coasting on occasion. Part of that, I think, is, um, you know, he's a guy that, that that played in all situations and, you know, was probably overused maybe a little bit at that level at some points. And I know he battled some injuries and stuff at different times during the year as well. So even though he never really missed many games, I'm not sure he was a hundred percent all the time. So I think in some of the cases, uh, I think he kind of got a uh, label at times that he was, um, you know, maybe not the hardest worker, but from all accounts of people that actually seem to know him and coach him and practice with him, that does not seem to be accurate. Um, he is considered a hard worker, an extremely intelligent player um, that seems to have a, you know, the one nice thing I, I hadn't really heard him speak or um, really knew much about him as a person. Um, or really even heard accounts of other people talk about him. But since the draft and he's done some interviews, kid is really polished in the way that he presents himself. Uh, He's saying all the right things. And, you know, I mean, that only, you know, that doesn't mean a whole lot, but it's at least good to hear the way that he talks and he seems to have the right mindset. So now it's just a matter of, you know, kind of delivering on those promises. So, yeah, I mean, I like him. He's not um <clears throat> he's he, he's not the guy that um 
I necessarily was leaning towards. Um, I had a slight preference for Bowen Byram. Um, now, not that to say that there wasn't a little bit of risk involved with Byram. Uh, I really liked the way he skated and um, was able to find holes and in the offensive zone and, and uh, score goals and create in the transition game. But he did have some issues at the defensive zone. Um, and I'm also not sure that he, um, you know, has the elite ice vision that some, that, that, that a lot of the, the top players have. So I did have some concerns with Byron, but I, he was the guy that I, at least in kind of like a 60, 40 way was, uh, kind of leaning towards um but i'm i'm perfectly content with the uh, selection of kirby doc um the other two names we heard a lot were um uh, alex turcotte and uh trevor zegris was another one that got thrown around a lot at, near the end um, i did like both of those guys uh however i had some concerns in that I, I never really felt like I was getting to see either guy at their best. Um, it just kind of watching games. I always thought um, Doc in comparison and Byram in particular stood out more than those other two. Um, Zegers definitely made a lot of great passes and had that vision, but we, I never really got a chance to see him play center um, because of, uh, the other guys that the U.S. had on their team, he was kind of forced to the wing. And then Turkow was a guy who, had, you know, off a hip injury early in the year. And then late in the year when uh, the tournaments and stuff were going on, uh, he had battled a case of mono. And so he was putting up good numbers and everything and playing a nice 200-foot game. But I... I I didn't think he showed quite the amount of skill that some of the other guys had, but at the same time, I was willing to kind of give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt just because I'm not sure I ever got to see him at a hundred percent. So those were the two kind of wild cards that I wasn't sure about. Um, but yeah, so for me, not really knowing uh, how to grade those other two, um, it kind of came down to Byram and doc for me and, I would have been happy with either one. Like I said, it was just, I, I slightly preferred Byron, but I've got, I've got no problem with the Blackhawks going with a, a big center with a lot of potential. And well, I was going to ask too. Um, so the rest of the Blackhawks draft, were there any guys that you really liked that really jumped at you? Well, uh, the only guy that I was, uh, the only other guy that I was actually familiar with at all was Alex Vlasic, who the, the Hawks went, uh, uh, the European route uh, in some of their late later picks, um, both of their fourth round picks uh, came out of Europe, and I just they, they were two guys that I, that weren't really on my radar. I, I hadn't actually watched them, but Alex Vlasic, their second round pick, uh, played on the U.S. team with Hughes and Turcotte and you know that whole bunch, and he is a giant of a man. Uh, he is six foot six, a uh, little over two hundred pounds, and again the frames there to keep getting bigger, uh, big, huge wingspan. And he skates pretty well too. Um, doc gets a little bit of, uh, a knock for his skating. I think it's perfectly fine. Um, you know, the big guys like that generally don't skate real well. 
um, you know, they're not going, well, I shouldn't say real well, but, you know, they're not going to show, you know, the elite uh, quickness that, you know, young, the smaller guys will, but Flaxic, uh, he's a guy that's just, he, he, he really can cover a lot of ground with his stick. Um, you know, he's not quite as big as like a guy, Chara, but he, in some ways, you know, he, he, he reminds you a little bit of that, that type of player. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's got, you know, near that upside, but that's, that's the sort of the style of player that you'd probably want to see. You'd probably see out of him. He is a guy that can jump up and join a play. Um, but he's, he, his bread and butter at the NHL level is probably going to have to be, as a guy that uses that stick to break up plays and then uses his size to rub guys off the puck. And he was a guy that, uh, uh, kind of had a lot of variance in ratings that I saw. I, I saw some people have him as high as like 20 or 25 in their rankings. And some guys, you know, had him ranked like early third round and the Blackhawks kind of got him right in, in, kind of in the middle of those two, those two rankings. And so it, it seems like a, a, a nice pick for me. I hadn't really studied him a lot, but every time, you know, I'd turn on the U S team and was watching them. Blasic always stood out. Um, not just because of his size, but he was around the puck and he did make some things happen. And I, he never really stood out in a bad way to me. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that pick. I think uh, there's definitely the upside of an NHL player there. So, well, you know, it's funny you should mention that, uh, talking about guys with possible skating issues, because then brings us right to the first, uh, of the Blackhawks, several trades that they've made in the last mm-hmm. month. And, um, that of course was Ali Mata coming over defenseman mm-hmm. coming over from the penguins for, um, our friend Dominic Cahoon, which I admit that hurts. Yes. I like Dominic, but, um, I, I, I do like Dominic Cahoon as well. So that it did surprise me a little bit, the deal. Um, I did expect the Blackhawks to go after a Olimata type defenseman where more of a stay at home, good penalty killer. And in the Blackhawks case, they did need somebody to play on the left side. So, I was kind of expecting someone a little older. <laughs> um, you know, if it wasn't something that they were going to grab off of the free agent market, I thought that they might get a kind of a, like a grizzled veteran type guy to, to fill that role. But uh, they are take uh, Mata is very experienced for being only 24 years old. Uh, he has won a couple of cups. Uh, he has had quite a bit of success at the NHL level. However, the majority of that success came when he was 19, 20, 21. Um, since that time, he's kind of battled injuries, had some problems with his legs. Uh, I think he's actually had some health issues, too. Um, thyroid cancer or something like that. So, you know, there's just been a lot of stuff that's kind of uh, affected him and kept him from taking the next step. He was a Early on, he very quickly in his career, he became a second pairing defenseman for the Penguins, and at some point was expected that he would kind of elevate his game to become a 
uh, you know, a first pairing guy and it, it never really happened. And he kind of hovered around as a second line or second pairing guy. And then at times last year, there were some issues with his skating quite a bit. And then I know in the playoffs, uh, he did get scratched in a couple of the games. Uh, I think even at their last couple of games, he didn't see the ice. So there are definitely some issues mobility wise, but I think the Hawks are kind of hoping, you know, Hey, give him a little bit of time in the off season, bring him in. He's not going to need to be a savior or anything here. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a gamble, but it's one without a lot of risk. Uh, he does have a three-year contract at like 4 million per season, but, uh, the way that the NHL CBA is, uh, if if you need to, if it gets to the point where he just can't skate well enough to compete in the NHL anymore, uh, you can actually buy out guys when they're under 25 at a much more reasonable uh, rate than you can uh, for the older guys. So if for whatever reason it doesn't work out this year, the, the Blackhawks could actually buy him out of his last two years and the, the, the cap hit that they would uh, uh, suffer from that is relatively painless. So it, it, it's a gamble, but I, I think it could work assuming you pair him with the right type of player. I, he, I think he does need somebody mobile on the other side from him. So the one thing I do not want to see is him paired up with Seabrook. Mm-hmm. I think anybody else that they have, whether it be Gustafson or Yoki Haru or Murphy, uh, I, I, I think those pairings would work better. Um, so that that's my only concern is that there are going to be times where they pair him with Seabrook, and I just I don't know that that's going to work. Yeah. So um, there was, of course, another trade in between that I'm going to save for last because it affects Michael because it's one of his personal favorites, but. I'm going to stick with the defense theme and um, the Blackhawks made another trade for another very intriguing guy who's injured at the moment, but should be back at like late November. Were they saying? Yeah. I mean, the original outlook from his surgery um, and the recovery time, it was kind of like predicted like November. Uh, however, I have seen that Dahan in interview since the trade feels like, He's targeting the beginning of the season. He doesn't feel like he's going to miss any time. I don't know if that's just athlete speak and trying to motivate himself. Yeah, to, yeah. I, sh- I guess you know, I should. Um, done. Yeah, I guess I should actually say what the trade is. Uh, oh yeah, they, the Blackhawks traded um, Anton Forsberg and Gustav Forsling. Oh, I'm so sad about that one. Uh, to um, the Hurricanes to get Calvin DeHaan and you know I'm. Spacing the name, they got another young player back, but uh, Alexi Sorella. Okay, Alexi Sorella, and he's yeah. actually the older brother of. Oh, now I can't remember who what his younger brother's first name is, but the Blackhawks actually did draft his younger brother in the fourth round. Uh, oh, okay. So yeah. So, but then, so what do you think of the Dahan trade? Again, I, I like it. Uh, Dahan is more the type of player that I thought the Blackhawks were going to get. I, I, I don't have a problem with the, with them 
doubling up on in getting Mata and getting Gahan. Uh, obviously, the Blackhawks have had plenty of issues actually defending with their defensemen uh, the last couple of years, and both of those guys are solid in that respect. They they are guys who know what they're doing in their own end, and Gahan is a guy that uh, he was a former high draft pick in. Uh, for the Islanders, played pretty well for them uh, his first uh, like five years or so and became a free agent. He did have some shoulder issues, and so I think that probably played a part in the Islanders not uh, re-signing him, uh, but uh, he hit the open market, signed with um, Carolina last year, and played pretty well for them uh basically played the way that he's always played but he did end up going down with yet another shoulder injury had his fourth surgery uh, on his shoulders in his career already so you know they're a team that had a pretty deep defensive core and i think they felt like they could absorb uh his loss internally and not miss too much and you know they needed a little bit of cap space so the the hawks were able to get them up or pick them up for pennies on the dollar um forsberg and forsling are two guys that definitely have talent and have shown an ability at the lower levels to play really well but for whatever reason at the nhl level it just hasn't come together for them yet, and both guys were um, no longer waiver exempt, so they were going to have to stick on the NHL roster or get exposed to waivers. And I think there was a very good chance that neither one of them would make it through waivers. So it's the sort of thing where the Blackhawks were able to trade them before losing them for nothing, and. So, no, I, I think it's a, a good trade. And I think DeHaan moves well enough where you could actually pair him with Seabrook. That's the, the difference between him and Mata. Mata's got a little bit more offensive upside. He moves the puck really well, even though he doesn't really skate well enough anymore to be much of a threat once you get into the, uh, you know, kind of in the transition game in that. Um, whereas DeHaan is, is more just your solid stay-at-home type and but he does move well enough where I, I think you'll pay you can pair him with Seabrook and let Seabrook kind of be the offensive guy. I think that's one of the misconceptions and I think one of the the issues the Blackhawks have had over the last couple of years is they kind of treated they've treated Seabrook like a you know a bigger stay at home type defenseman, but that's really not his game. He's better offensively right now than he is defensively. He still scores goals. And he does take some chances offensively. And when he gets caught, he, he can't skate well enough to get back. So I think pairing him up with a solid def- veteran like DeHaan could actually work out as well as you it can with a guy like Seabrook at this point. Uh, I'm not actually sure Seabrook has got much left to his game, but uh, whatever he does bring, I, I, I think pairing him with a guy like DeHaan can, can work pretty well. Yeah, and that's what you were also talking about a little bit. You, the hope this year is that that uh, Yoki Haru is ready to play the whole year in Chicago. At least that's what they're hoping for. Uh, you know, 
before they picked up DeHaan, I thought that was the plan. Now that they have added that second guy, at the moment, they really don't have room for Yoki Haru anymore. Um, and now, obviously, that uh, with DeHaan potentially missing the beginning of the year, that does open up a spot where Yoki Haru could at least start the year and see how it goes and if he plays well enough and where you know they just can't send him down uh he could certainly earn that type of playing time but it, if Dahan does start the year uh you know on the roster uh, they have a solid number 7 I, I feel in Slater Cuckoo who can play both sides he is uh waiver uh, he, uh, he, he no longer is waiver exempt, so uh, kind of like Forsling, he has to stay up. Otherwise, they they lose him on waivers. And so I, I think that's the guy that's going to fill that seventh spot. And so you got Keith and Gustafson right now is probably your first pairing, just like you did at uh, the end of last year. That pairing seemed to settle in pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then I think you end up with Mata and Murphy and Dahan and Seabrook. And Yoki Haru probably starts, maybe starts in the NHL, then goes back down to the AHL when Dahan comes up. And he, you know, you just got to hope he plays well enough where, you know, they just can't sit him. And it's just one of those things where I think until they're actually ready to say to Seabrook, you're just not good enough we have better players, it, it, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to sit Seabrook at this point until it, they just have no other options. Well, you know, I was going to ask that too, cause that's the big, I guess what would you call it? The elephant in the room that a lot of people are talking about, but what do you think the odds are that either Murphy or Gustafson get traded before the regular season? I don't think it's very good right now. Yeah. Cause that's, a, I guess if other people don't know they're, there are some people out there, I don't know if they're in the know or not, but they're saying that they think either a Gustafson because he's going to be restricted. Uh, Gustafson is not a restricted. He's got one. He's got this year left on his contract at 1.2 million, but he will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. So, so the, Murphy's the, got three years left. Yeah. The debate is whether to, you know, give him an extension or trade him before losing him for basically nothing. Right. Right. And, you know, with Seabrook taking one of those three spots on the right, you've got Gustafson and Murphy, although Gustafson can play both sides. He's actually a lefty. Seemed to pair well with Keith, so I think they're going to roll with that. Um, The issue becomes Murphy's probably the guy that I think that the Hawks would be more inclined to trade uh, just because Gustafson has a skill that they can't uh, replace at the moment. Um, Gustafson more than I think any player or coaching change was responsible for turning around the power play last year. He is really good, uh, quarterbacking that helping the Blackhawks gain zone entries. He sees the ice really well, seems to have chemistry with both Keith and, uh, Kane, although Keith doesn't play on the power play, but, um, he just he really seemed to play well off of uh, both Kane and uh, Debrinket, uh, 
kind of in the umbrella on the power play. And so that's a guy that, you know, I'm not sure that they can afford to re-sign him if he has another season like he just came off of. But at the same time, they don't have anybody that can do what he can do this year. Boquist isn't ready. However, Boquist might be able to replace him next year. So it's like, I, th- I think it's one of those things where I think they're, they'll put it off until uh, the trade deadline. If the Hawks are, are rolling and Gustafson's playing well, you just, you stick with them. And, you know, if you end up losing him as a free agent, you lose him as a free agent. And good teams lose free agents on occasion, you know, when they're in the playoff hunt, it's just, it's part of the business. But if they are kind of scuffling a little bit, I could see them trading him at the deadline, uh, you know, getting something for him before uh, he exits. And then with the plan of replacing him with Yoki Haru for, you know, post trade deadline. And then with an eye towards adding Boquist next year to kind of replace the offensive side of things. Yeah. Okay. So, that's what we'll see what happens, but yeah, that sounds about right to me. That yeah. obviously Gustafson is he helps the offense so much that you don't want to want to try to see what you can do. And yeah, right, especially sense. after they've added two you know more defense oriented defensemen. I mean, you've now got Murphy, Mata, and Dehan who are really not going to contribute much on the offensive side of things. Keith and Seabrook do both contribute offensively. Keith more, you know, as a passer and Seabrook more as a shooter. Uh, But Gustafson is really the guy that is the offensive driver from the back end at this point. And that, you know, especially if Yoki Haru ends up in the minors. Um, But I mean, even last year, Yoki Haru wasn't driving play you know, as a, as a 19 year old rookie. And there's a very good chance that he can't do that as a 20 year old second year player either. Um, you know, he's more of a two way guy, not really just a, you know, a, a great transition, great shot the way that, uh, you know, Adam Boquist, uh, for example, uh, projects, I, I, I really think the plan that the Blackhawks have in place right now is, see how it goes. You know, I, you know, halfway through the year, they'll have an idea if Gustafson is ready to take another step and actually be, you know, a competent defensive player to go along with his offense. They'll know if his offensive breakout last year is legitimate and it's something that could potentially continue. And if both of those things are, true i can see them wanting to extend him and making room um you know cap wise to be able to do that um if it if he improves defensively he's the type of guy that would be up for a guy that you would want to build around so i think they they want to leave that option open but at the same time they know they have some internal replacements coming down the pipeline now we go to your all-time favorite player which obviously i'm being sarcastic here but uh john hayden was traded to the devils and you know they what they went seven months but 
They just couldn't hold off anymore. They had to bring a Quenville back, John Quenville in this case. And mm-hmm. um, it's just a minor trade, but what do you think of the Hayden for Quenville trade? I think it's going to be, you know, it, it, it's a change of scenery trade for both guys. Um, you know, they're both guys that have been up and down from the minors the last couple of years. Uh, Quenville has a little bit more draft pedigree. He was a higher pick, uh, but Hayden's actually been the guy that's that spent more time in the NHL so far. Uh, but it, it just never came together for Hayden. Uh, he never really found a role as a um, reliable defensive player. And while he did throw his weight around and, 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 you know, he played a pretty gritty game and he did a good job along the boards, controlling the puck at times, but, and he, and he did chip in some goals on occasion too. I mean, there were individual parts of his game that, you know, you see all these things and it's like, okay, you should be able to, to put together a, a solid NHL player here, but they never came together at the same time. And I think a big part of it is he just, he never had the vision, um, kind of a, head down player where, you know, when he's got the puck and he's controlling it, he doesn't know where anybody else on the ice is. So even though he shows some skill handling the puck and shooting the puck, it never really generates any offense out of it. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I think there are some teams where he could become a competent fourth line player where if he plays with some guys with some skill that can actually create for him and he can be more of a finisher. Uh, he never, the Blackhawks didn't really have that type of fourth line. Uh, Quenville, uh, I don't think he skates well enough um, to really be an NHL player. However, he is a proven AHL scorer. So at the very least he can help out um, down in Rockford and, and you know, uh, hopefully you know, help that team score enough this year to get them in the playoffs. That was a big issue for them last year where they just, they they couldn't score for a long stretch of the season. So I I think he'll end up helping down there. And the same thing with uh, Alexi Sorella, who they they picked up in the Dahan deal. Uh, He does skate a little better where I think he does have a chance to be an NHL player. Um, the one thing with Sorella is he can really shoot the puck. Um, he's got a really hard, heavy shot and not just a slap shot, but a, a wrist shot too. Uh, and again, a proven scorer at the AHL level. Um, but, uh, out of those two, I think Sorella has got a better chance of, of carving out a NHL career, um, you know, a potential third line scoring type guy but i think both of them will, will start down in the ahl and you know would have to kind of hope for injuries yeah so i guess that's where we'll leave it off for now we will have another episode after uh, july 1st so next week because we'll see how free agency shakes out and you know what for the blackhawks to make more trades i'm really not expecting them to pick up anybody in free agency with the possible exception of like a fourth line penalty killer okay so but we will be back next week to see how it all shakes out see yeah 
who gets traded, who gets signed. So, and you know, as always, I'm STH85 on Twitter. Uh, Michael? MJ underscore Ernst. All right. And until the next episode, thank you for listening.